This podcast is supported by CoinKite, the one-stop shop for everything you need to secure, use, and express your obsession for Bitcoin. The MK4, a new version of the hugely popular cold card hardware wallet, is out now with lots of new features for helping you to secure your Bitcoin. If you like to keep track of block time or keep track of the SATS USD exchange rate, the Block Clock Mini is the way to do it. And the gang at CoinKite have recently released the Tap Signer, which is an NFC-enabled card which holds a private key, allowing you to separate your keys from your wallets while still allowing for super easy transaction signing. To learn more about all their awesome gear and stay up to date on their new products, visit coinkite.com. Let's do it. There we go. We're live. Luke, how you doing? Good, John. Nice to meet you. Uh, big fan. I've uh, followed your work for about as long as I've been in Bitcoin, which isn't that long. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm good. It's uh, thanks. Good, it's, good uh, meet, it's good to meet you too. Thanks for uh, responding to my tweet the other day. Come for a chat and a hangout. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty random, and uh, yeah, I guess somehow I saw it right away. But uh, yeah, thanks for the invite. Nice. So you're Canadian, is and I'll, you know, as is always the case, if I ask anything you don't want to answer, just say so. But uh, you're Canadian as well. Yep, Canadian. Uh, and only about a year ago, I uh, I left uh, for for Finland. And what was the reason for moving to another Nordic cold country? Yeah, yeah. You know, th this one is is kind of harder to explain simply the the really short answer is i had a, a work opportunity but that's not the the real reason two reasons so i had been interested in some music from finland for a long time as part of like my teenage years and that sort of thing uh, and i also had a thing for languages back then and finnish is a interesting one it's different but uh those two things were were kind of things I enjoyed yeah, when I was when I was a teenager, and I kept it up as I was uh, getting into my career and and things like that. And uh, I had the opportunity to move over to Finland, and uh, my wife and I she moved with me, also Canadian. Um, we we decided to just move, and uh, when we got the opportunity, because it's kind of an adventure and uh, something that doesn't always just fall in your lap. Mm. So that's what we did. But uh, the, the other part of it was, was also that things were a little uncertain in uh, Alberta at the time. That's that being where I'm from. And uh, uh, in balance, maybe it's going from a, a slightly unstable economic situation to now kind of, uh, and also uncertain unstable situation over here in Europe, but, uh, overall I like it. It's a great place, great place to live and, uh, not too bad for a Canadian to get used to. Right. Not, not too big of an adjustment, I guess. Um, you know, I just realized, um, after we, after we started messaging the other day, I, I won't use any names cause I don't know how private everybody is, but I was speaking with someone who either, I think he might've he's one of the founders of consensus network uh, on a call like what's today wednesday i think it was monday um yeah. i think he's in madeira right now and you know uh he just happened to be on a call that i was on i didn't put two and two together until afterwards when i was revisiting the messages messages you sent me and that you're working uh at 
or with consensus network and yeah, you know, coincidence. Well, so this is sort of how this all, all came together because I, I, I think you, 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 through whoever you're, you're aware of, of consensus and like they do this translation of, of Bitcoin books. They're also doing some publishing in that, but it was, it was because they had Bitcoin books in Finnish that I found them. And, uh, because it's, it's a, it's such a niche thing. I didn't expect it. I, I originally saw that the Bitcoin standard had a whole bunch of translations and I figure it can't be, can't be the language, 5 million people. Uh, but no, no, there's a Finnish translation. And then it turns out, well, it, it, there's this consensus network. And, and, uh, so I find all this stuff that they, they have, I've, I've probably got all of their books and I've read about half of them. But when, when they put out kind of a, uh, call or whatever, looking for people to, to help, I figured this is the way I can start to participate in the Bitcoin community a little bit and, mm. and help out and make, start making, uh, a bit of a, an impact, especially considering I'm, I'm fairly new in the community. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm working with them to hopefully start creating some, some content and, uh, hopefully bringing some, some signal, not noise, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's it. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you speak fluent spinach, uh, Finnish? Fluent enough. I get by. Really? So you, you've been studying it for years, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the weird part. I can't really explain why, but I just liked it. And then I, I get over here and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been about a year here in Finland and yeah, I'm, I'm I do. Okay. Still what, not perfect. What, what was the, you, you mentioned briefly it had something to do with music and maybe something else, but what was the interest in, in Finnish culture and language while you were still in Canada? Yeah, sure. So, so originally it was music. I just, I found Finland's got the best metal music and, and that was kind of the way in there, but, uh, well, most metal bands per capita, first of all, but I, I also think some of the best. Um, and that was, that was, that was like when I was 15 or something long yeah. time ago, not that long, I guess, but um I, I i grew into it as i was i was becoming you know solidifying into an adult so i guess that's the music that sticks with you forever kind of thing and and then it just turned into getting into uh i guess the more general cultural stuff uh mythology uh that was that's another kind of side rabbit hole not side this was this was the rabbit hole i fell into before bitcoin was was mythology that was that was really big for me kind of important uh and uh, okay so i was i <laughs> was <hit> me <laughs> yeah i i was trying to explore the archetypal narratives in mythology the way that jordan peterson explored them in genesis mm -hmm. biblical mm -hmm. series so that was that was huge for me formatively about the 2017 time i was just out of school and i had no idea what what i was doing um i had a job thankfully but this was this was alberta and the the, the economic situation there wasn't good i basically have never been in a good economic situation in my adult life but what i what i found with with dr peterson was was some some structure and some interesting ideas that initially I, I just kind of thought this was 
this was something I'd never seen before. All, all that was around, by the way, at that time was university lectures. And, and then eventually he had this biblical series. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying this, like, I'm a, I think I'm, I know you're, you're aware of, of, of his work and all this. Yeah. 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 But, um, what, what, what really struck me though, was, was that these mythological ideas, these archetypal ideas could give some kind of direction or meaning in life that was underneath kind of these religious, um, the, the, the part of religion that's, that's on the surface. I, I was raised Christian and went through phases of embracing it and rebelling against it. And probably did that twice before I was 18, but I, I was still looking for something, looking for some kind of meaning. And what I, what I found with Dr. Peterson's work was this framework for understanding narrative and story. And when I saw what he was doing with the, the biblical series, the Genesis series, it, first of all, it gave me a new appreciation for, for Christianity generally at a time when I was a little bit uh, not on best terms with that. But what I also thought was that maybe I can explore this stuff with other types of mythology. I was really into Norse mythology mm. for um, similar reasons to the, to the Finnish stuff. Um, a little bit about trying to see what was there in societies that Christianity took over in Europe. That was kind of the idea. And, and I found a depth there. I found a, a real um, level of nuance I think because a polytheistic religion has multiple figures to look at, not just one in a monotheistic one. But so, so what, what I started to do, a buddy of mine who was going through a similar journey, we both said, well, okay, we're not Jordan Peterson, but we do like this stuff. And so why don't we try and do our own podcasts on this stuff? And so for, for, for a good uh, couple of years there, we made a, we made a podcast all about Norse mythology and then eventually Finnish mythology, um, making two, three hour episodes, reading one poem and like breaking it down line by line. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I did for a couple of years before Bitcoin. Well, I'm the, you're not getting off the hook yet. I mean, tell me some about it, you know, obviously I'm, perhaps not obviously, but I, I've been like you. I mean, I think Peterson really opened up an intellectual treasure trove for the world, basically, and flipped a a widely held notion that religion and mythology is a very juvenile or simplistic way of understanding the world and oneself in the world and flipped that on its head to the point where now people are saying, oh, my God, this is incredibly rich and sophisticated. It's not so simple. And it was developed by both consciously and subconsciously, I would assert, by really thoughtful, sophisticated minds of our ancestors, you know, through great difficulty oftentimes. And, you know, my big gripe today is is the abject hubris that modern society approaches all of these traditions and all of these systems of belief by simply saying, like, it's a 
a superstition to help explain the natural world. And now we have science and we don't need it. Bye. Uh, and of course, I, I think I think that uh, we do that to our great detriment. And I think we're manifesting the detrimental results of that attitude and approach today. And I think you could look around the culture and you know, much of what we call as Bitcoiners fiat culture. I mean, definitely, I think it has to do with the degradation of the money, but I think it also has to do with the degradation of a coherent belief system that people can orient their lives by. And so, I, you know, I, I, I'm really enjoying this revival of investigation and discourse around these systems of systems of value, systems of meaning, systems of knowledge and belief that have been that preceded us and now that are coming back into the public consciousness with a far uh with a far more um justified sense of respect and humility in relation to them to to what we might be able to extract what type of wisdom what type of knowledge we might be able to extract and then build upon because that's you know as far as i can tell that's part of the story of history you know it's like we we have this interplay between how we represent our ideas, how they manifest in the culture, how they affect the individual and how that feedback loop just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going to the point where we start, where we're just, you know, basically scratching things on rocks or on the insides of cages to the point now where we're, we have these complex, complex systems of belief and we're even manifesting infinite worlds in the sense of, you know, what we're doing in the information and digital revolution. And I, I think this is just, it never ends really. And so if we're going to really engage in that process as consciously as possible toward the greatest benefit possible, we have to give what came before us its due, understand how it came to be arranged or constructed in that way so that we can build on that architecture. You know, maybe some parts of it need to be tweaked and fixed and revised, but we don't want to just, you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater. We don't throw it all away and start from zero because a lot of that was hard fought. A lot of that wisdom and knowledge was, you know, gained uh, through great difficulty over many years. So, yeah, tell me, tell me what your investigations have elucidated. Yeah, sure. Well, so, so maybe to because yeah, that was that was a lot there too. The I guess our tagline, just to kind of put some context to it where the whole idea was to explore these myths and legends and find out how we could apply that to daily life. So the, the whole idea that I was trying to explore was how can I take these lessons and, and really apply them today and, and do something with them, use them to direct my life in a better way. And well, so, so I'll briefly touch on that when I, I found Bitcoin, I found many of the same lessons, things, things like low time preference were built into these stories or just the way that religion was done in Christianity, pre-Christianity uh, in, in the form of ritual sacrifice, even like the, the, the act of sacrifice would be a society trying to channel their idea of that there there is a, a longer term than now and that some amount has to be saved for the future and maybe it maybe it's not quite understanding the idea of that that maybe there isn't a direct connection with with sacrificing something that has been hunted or 
some agricultural product or something. Um, maybe there's not a direct connection between sacrificing something literally and then in the future there would be more of it, but it's, it's the mindset and that's what struck me. So the, the whole, the whole thing with it, like you say about looking at what we had in the past so that we can acknowledge and understand it, that was the whole point. And my, my thinking was that for a while, I was pretty, pretty bitter towards Christianity, thinking it had wiped out all this cultural heritage and tradition and not, and not just Christianity either, but uh, all of the kind of proselytizing religions, you could look at uh, uh, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, all of them have done similar things. Uh, and, and the, that kind of search for something underneath it, I was, I was really hoping to kind of find the, the meaning of life before. So I could say, ha, this is, this is not the direction we should have been going. We should have been looking at kind of this, this old stuff, this ancient stuff. That's not what I found. It's not what I found at all. I, I personally felt like I pulled the curtain back and in really exploring archetypal narrative. Now it, it didn't have a, a, a sort of religiosity that I was looking for in the sense of that it, it would have a profound meaning in a numinous sense, like, like I'm interacting with the sacred, but at the same time, it was exactly that in the sense that the, in, in understanding what the messages meant, or at least having some idea what the messages meant, uh, the stories that I could see the direction that the society was pointing towards and extract out the little nuggets of wisdom, not in a folksy sense, but in like a, here's how people a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, thought of the world and the narratives that they told to figure it out and understand it and to move in the world successfully. So the whole result for me was that, that I, I almost, I almost couldn't dig into a story or a narrative in the same way, because I would just see all these patterns, mm. not like I'm someone who studied it for, you know, 20, 30 years or something, but, but it's, it starts to, to kind of come together. But what I started to appreciate was this is all pointing in the same direction. This is all saying the same thing, not necessarily because one of one of the things Dr. Peterson puts together is that, is that monotheism and potentially Christianity specifically is the end result of religious archetypal narrative. I still see the value of, of, separate archetypal narratives to help people in different situations and stages. Maybe it's one of the reasons why the Marvel movies are so popular. You can have all these different heroes that sure. fit with a different personality, something like that. Mm. Those are the modern day mythology in my view, anyway, mm. the parallel to it, but where it took me falling down this rabbit hole, I was able to orient myself properly put myself towards a goal, reach for that. And then also to appreciate the way the world works around me and, and get some lessons that way. So 
yeah, that was that was my um, mythological rabbit hole. Yeah, well, let's let's put a pin in that aspect of extracting out the practical to integrate into your life because I definitely want to hear more about that. But I have some, you know, questions about what you just said. You know, in in terms of Christianity, I mean, it it, it may very well be the case that it's the most sophisticated exploration of these you know and sometimes people say that you know whatever these traditions these myths these these narrative stories are again if if we transcend the historicity argument and some people are not willing to do that and that's a separate discussion it's easier you know perhaps to dispense with the historicity argument if we're talking about thor than jesus christ but let's just separate that out for a moment people tend to think like well we're grafting on narrative onto the world to help contextualize and understand it better. But I don't know if it's more accurate to say that, or if it's to say that we actually extract a narrative from the world. And in that sense, it, it, it gives it a directionality almost that makes you, uh, that lends itself to thinking that it's more fundamental than just a conjuring up of something of our imagination to make sense of the world. It's actually, we're able to see into the world in such a way in such in, in to, to a more fundamental aspect of its nature, the metaphysical as it were, and pull it out to try to integrate it into ourselves such that we have a, a higher fidelity relationship with the world that we're attempting to interact with. And when you put it, in that sort of a context or framing, well, it, it, it seems a lot less silly because now we're, we're, we're trying, we're, we're decoding the world in the way that's most, that we're most capable of understanding, which is in narrative and in hierarchy and in story and emotion. And it doesn't mean it's not real. It means that's the way that our consciousness most effectively understands the deepest, most fundamental aspects of the reality that we're trying to operate within or move throughout. Um, and so what, if you have that perspective, or if that's true at all, then it's, you know, it's hard not to appreciate all of these iterations of that process and just be like, wow, like what, why did, why did this iteration develop in this place in this time? And what, wisdom and insight and knowledge might be able to be gained by investigating that. And what about in that time? Because surely, you know, environmental context does obviously have influences. So what, like, what was the Norse mythology iteration versus the Indus Valley, you know, uh, iteration five, 6,000 years ago, you know, because the environment's going to influence that to some degree. But interestingly, the environment irrespective of the environment, certain things are common and consistent across them all, which might indicate that they are even more fundamental amongst the fundamental. And I think this is why you always have a type of hierarchy in these mythologies and stories. And this is why you always have the notion of the hero. And this is why you always have the battle between good and evil, because these are actually real things. And, you know, it's a, it's a mind trip to, believe that. And I, I think these, these, these stories are so salient and so powerful that, that in my, my current thinking on it is that humanity or in, individuals get tripped up in, in thinking that the, even the historicity or the realness of the characters is more real than the realness of the behavior of the characters. 
the realness of the character of the characters, of the spirit of the characters. That's what's more profound and real, in my opinion, than whether or not Thor or Jesus or Buddha or whomever was actually a real, phenomenal, magical, powerful being at some place at some time for some relatively small group of people to witness. And, um, you know, so that's one thing. And the other thing, you know, when you were mentioning you were trying to extract out or two things, one, you mentioned it, it didn't satisfy uh, that seeking for the numinous that that you were that you were seeking for. And so one, I'd like to know how that became reconciled, if at all, um, between and, you know, it could very well be the case that maybe that was a false ambition. I'm not saying that it is. I, I don't think that it is, but I'd love to know how in seeking for that and not having that being satisfied, how you reconciled that. And then two, you know, leading into the more practical aspects of things, it almost seems like, you know, the, the daily stoic has become a very popular thing where, you know, the and, and Marcus Aurelius is such a palatable character for the modern world, even though he was ostensibly quite religious. Um, and even though he did persecute the Christians uh, quite devastatingly, you know, you, you look at his uh, journal and he has a lot of seemingly secular wisdom for living, you know, living a good life. And I think that's why it's become so popular and palatable in a increasingly secular era. Um, but anyways, again, before we hit the practical, bring me back to uh, what you were seeking and what you found. Yeah, the numinous. And whatever, you know, obviously, whatever else you want to comment on any of that. Well, so, yeah, you, you're saying it was maybe a false aim yeah in some sense i think that's true it, i didn't know what i was looking for and this this was it this has been something i've i've always been not sure of i i'm from kind of the the type of christianity that was that was very charismatic evangelical and um the the whole uh idea of that was a, a personal connection with god and I, I i had trouble with that a lot of trouble and i sometimes I tried to act it out and hope that it would come. And then at other times it would end up being that I ran as far away from that as possible. And I would always come back because of some kind of community or something similar. So I, I did end up um, trying to do similar things with Norse religion specifically. Uh, and the reason for that one was more out of uh, that being the best representative of general Germanic um, mythology, which which anyone from continental Germany, Netherlands, but also England and Scandinavia would all be considered Germanic, at least by a linguistic perspective. And so the the idea was that one is is the one that had the the most written record the the Norse the Scandinavian one, so I'm I'm mostly English, but I, I I thought this was the connection I was looking for. What this is the way I can explore the the traditions of my personal ancestry, and yeah, that was working out a few things, but the the aim with that. So I I tried the same thing, tried to act it out there. For, for anything these days, there's there's a community of people that and you can find a community of people that, that's going to be trying to do something. So um, 
yeah yeah like trying to act it out trying to have a community that that's all trying to do the same thing yeah that was that was a that was a phase there um, but when you say trying to do the same thing you mean extract the wisdom from norse mythology and live by that code is that what you yeah. mean yeah religiously yeah yeah it's it's like uh what does that look words. like there's a few words for it uh, as a true or heathenry those are those are words for it but yeah it, it's it's uh um what it are the looks like he- of living your life in such a way oh yeah this uh that's that's uh it's been a while since i thought about this taking taking this mythology this wisdom and stuff and kind of using it as a replacement for um other religion uh you can have little festivals and stuff like uh holidays uh big one is yule um the the winter solstice is like a um a really important time it still is actually in in scandinavia here in finland um but but the so the idea is kind of celebrating these holidays there's little rituals you can do that are in in the past it might have been actually like sacrificing an animal or something but now it's more like um raise a horn full of some mead that's the that's the common one and uh pour that out after saying some prayer or something like that but i mean it, in da- in daily life like how would this show up in terms of behavior because you know as we said all these things are ways to help inform behavior morality you know how we should act and value things in the world so like how did it show up in your life other than the ritual in my life stuff. i i thought it was it was giving me kind of new new purpose um new i had a new vigor for things i was exploring i could explore new narratives new ideas uh, at this point i didn't uh i didn't have the petersonian archetypal overlay i, I wasn't understanding that yet but this part this layer was trying to act act it out so mm-hmm. so the stage of mimicking something to try to understand it yeah something yeah. like that what i would say is that in everyday life this community there, there can be great people there can be not so great people and that's the same thing as in any church in any community i don't know that it really turned into anything different i think it more is it was more a case of attract it attracted certain people with certain interests, lots of people who are in the same music and into the same kind of cultural things, found it cool, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spin it like there's some great people doing some kind of cool things. I, th- I think it's, I think it's an interesting part of the landscape of the world to revitalize religion and the uh, past religion, things like that. But for me, it eventually it 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 stopped having the same meaning, and this is sort of the pattern. It stopped having the same meaning as Christianity did, and it's sort of like I would explore it and consume it, and then I'd be done. But what what I tried to do to revitalize it was okay. So now I found this Petersonian side of things. This is a totally different way of looking at it. So I I was hoping that I would. I would find what I was looking for originally by digging into the archetypal narrative and the patterns there. And then the result would be, 
I don't even know. I don't even know what I was looking for. Some kind of spiritual connection to some God or deity or something. Mm -hmm. It would have been Odin if I'm going to be specific, because that that's, I think the most interesting figure in Norse mythology and the entire concept of Odin is the, mm, the concept of sacrificing yourself to yourself which I think sounds a lot like low time preference and um, doing those things necessary to, to improve yourself into the future. Mm. But I didn't understand that. So the exploration there was, was, I think, really what I was looking for. I was looking for some kind of magical spiritual connection. Honestly, I've, I've not found that ever, but in terms of reconciling it to bring it back is that I, I felt like I didn't need it anymore. That, that in understanding what the lessons were, that I could be at peace with the idea that I've, I've found something of value there and then live my life according to the best principles that I've pulled from that. So to back to your earlier point of, about that we that 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 we might just be describing the world not making up narrative but but extracting the narrative i think that's completely completely right and so in, in my case i i think what i was doing was extracting this narrative mm. and pulling out the best parts of it and maybe the end result will be some kind of unified archetype of the the best the, the christ-like figure essentially and the concept of sacrifice of course being being right there too but i i went through the journey through other avenues and i think where it's led me it was it it, it primed me to understand the world differently and to to be ready to see the world in terms of, well, everything that Bitcoin is. I, I, I definitely think, and this was all around 2017. Uh, yeah, I needed to, I needed to come in when I did class of 21. I needed to, to have this experience behind me through 2018, 2019, this exploration. And then I needed to have voices like, um, well, it was, it was Robert Breedlove on Lex Friedman originally that pulled me in. Uh, but you know, guys like him, you, Svetsky, Gigi, all these philosophical voices, Knut's von home. This is what, what resonated with me and, and brought me in, pulled me in. And this was like, this isn't just a financial thing. This is like a all life thing mm -hmm. and you know maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll pause there out of yeah we'll we'll, we'll definitely get into the bitcoin side of things but i want to and you know again i know you're not necessarily an expert on all this stuff so you don't have to there's no expectation of like you know amazing answers to this stuff but two two things you mentioned because I, I think that's right right and, and i think that is the I think religion properly engaged is not to say, okay, well, I grew up in a certain family or a certain jurisdiction or a certain country, 
and this is our tradition and my parents said so and whomever said so so i'm just going to go along with that i think for if you want convicted belief you have to try to poke holes in it as much as you can and see the fundamental truth in it as is the case with bitcoin right if if you if someone just says hey bitcoin's the next big thing and you're like oh cool i need something i need some big meaningful thing in my life so bitcoin's my thing now you you know that's not the way to do it that's not going to generate proper conviction. And that's not going to put you in a position to extract the most wisdom out of this thing that you're now engaging with. You want to poke as many holes in that as possible. One, to make sure that it's real, but two, to make sure that you understand all the contours or as much as possible, because you know it may never, it may not be possible to fully understand the ineffable as it were, but to get as much knowledge and clarity around something as possible, such that you can bring whatever wisdom it contains and integrate it into your life, not just you know, not just go along with some fiat dictate, like, hey, son, this is our religion, or hey, whatever, but actually to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it because you told me, but I'm going to respect that these systems, you know, be it Christianity or Bitcoin, came to be as a result of a lot of iteration of these very ideas and these very principles and these very values. And so I'm going to give that due respect, but I'm going to hold off on aligning myself or committing myself to it entirely before I, you know, burn myself in front of it, basically, before I totally uh, determine if it's true or not. And if it's, and if I think it's true, and if I think it's truer than anything else, then I'm happy to orient my life via some of the principles that are represented there. But if not, then I won't, because what I'm after is the truth. What I'm after is the best way to orient my my perspective and my behavior and, and my life, not just because other people are doing it, not just because someone in authority said so. And so I think in that way, the two domains are very similar. And as you said, you know, Bitcoin, many of us are seemingly finding out that it represents far more than just a monetary upgrade or a monetary revolution, but it, it seems to have brought together both monetary and philosophical and, you know, religious and spiritual concepts and themes and smash them all together. And this is why we are so, you know, consumed with trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. But um, you mentioned Odin. I just, I, I don't know much about North mythology at all. My, my impression is that as we were saying before, like anywhere where human beings congregate in, in, you know, large enough numbers that you need some orienting belief to manage the social relationships, as well as the relationship with the natural world, as well as one's relationship within that, you're going to have some sort of belief system emerge. I mean, it seems to be inevitable. You, again, you can find it anywhere. You, the earliest human settlements, you find, you know, idols of some kind or some method of that, that or some artifact that speaks to the attempt to do that. And so, you know, what the Norse ended up calling Odin and what the people of the Middle East ended up calling God and what the people of, uh, you know, the Far East ended up calling Krishna or Buddha or what have you. I mean, it's like, what do you call the thing that's at the top of the hierarchy of forces that are acting upon us? Well, you know, you, you obviously in different cultures at different times and places, you're going to have different names for it. So I think you know, that partially accounts for the differences. And when people say, no, like my God is the true God or my God is named this and it's true or my God is named that and it's true. It's like, 
well, maybe you're just using different words for a very similar thing. Now I'm again, like we open up with this, I'm receptive to the idea that certain cultures for a variety of reasons were able to develop more sophisticated understandings of those hierarchies and those, those forces that are acting upon them. But I don't think that means they're fundamentally different. It just means you, un as is the case with science. I mean, me and you might understand gravity, right? You throw a fucking orange up in the air and it comes down, but I don't understand it to the level of a, you know, uh, astrophysicist understands it and all the different nuances, but we still use, you know, but gravity is the word we use in English. What do they use in China? Chinese. I don't know what the word for gravity is, but it ain't gravity, you know, but it's the same, they're referring to the same force. And so I, you know, I, I suspect that's part of, that's the nature, that's the, the circumstance with religions and, a, you know, a failure to recognize that has caused a lot of strife in the world, of course. But what are your, you mentioned that Odin was, you know, one of the characters that you got a lot from, you know, what were some of the attributes or what were some of the, the learnings that you got from him? And then as a follow on to that question, you mentioned that you, you kind of came to the view where maybe these systems of belief weren't the thing that you were going to completely devote yourself to, but you were able to extract certain principles from them. Now, I understand this might be a difficult thing to do, but if, if any of them have coalesced into specific principles that you know, you've integrated into your life, I'd be interested in hearing them as well. Sure. So I'll start out with a little bit about the language here, because this is, I think, the frame that can illustrate this, this concept of, of coming through different times, different words for the same thing. So Odin isn't a good example on the language front. Thor is, and, and actually more like Zeus is. Because the, the concept of this, this thunder god was, was in basically all Indo-European cultures. And Indo-European being the language family that, that English belongs to. And Indo is important here because there is an Indic version of this sky father in the oldest Vedic religions named Diospater, which in Greek became Zeus. And yeah, I really should double check the, but Thor should be the, should be the same uh, etymology there. So Odin is a, is different though. The, the Odin figure comes from uh, essentially the, the word for inspiration in old Germanic. And the idea about this is that he's a shamanic figure mm -hmm. and shamanism I thought was uniquely different compared to Christianity and, and other Western religions. I was totally wrong about that, by the way, the, the death and resurrection and rebirth of Christ is the, is a shamanic journey. And, and Dr. Peterson has talked about that, but the, the idea as a concept was that this, this, uh, figure, uh, uh, was the embodiment of, of this inspiration. He drank the mead of poetry, mead being like a honey wine, mm -hmm. uh, and, and found inspiration there, but he, he found too much and he, he drank too much, which could be literally, he, he drank too much, became intoxicated, but, but also you can become too inspired and too, um, too full of inspiration. Um, 
so the, the concept was different and uh, I'm correcting myself now. Uh, the Zeus, um, the equivalent in Germanic or Norse is, is Tyr, T-Y-R. Uh, and that was the original leader of so-called leader of this pantheon, if you want to say it like that, or it's at least speculated. And then somehow this inspiration type thing, this shamanic tradition would have overtaken it and become the leader or the highest figure in there. And there's some fun speculation about this that that has to do with mushrooms and whether psychedelics is the is the root of of this inspiration. Mm. I think it might be. Uh, at least alcohol seems to be somewhat related. That wasn't what I was exploring though. The interesting bits. So probably probably the most central piece of I guess you call wisdom in Norse mythology is is a poem called the Havamal or the words of the high one. And it's poetry of wisdom attributed to Odin. And the, there, there are some really famous uh, passages. One um, goes, cattle die, kinsmen die, all men are mortal, but one thing never dies, the glory of the great dead or the, reputation of of each dead man or something like that it varies based on the translation mm. but the this this would be what someone would extract as like the quintessential thing from norse mythology the idea that your reputation is the only thing that lives on cattle was the concept of of wealth back then and so wealth dies kinsmen die yeah your friends die everyone is mortal but your reputation lives on. So the idea is to live a good life that will leave a good reputation. Yeah. And now I think my, my Bitcoin point on as a layer on top of that is that now we might finally have some form of wealth transfer into the future. So your wealth doesn't have to die, uh, but we'll see how all the inheritance uh, handover stuff goes with, with private keys over the generations, but that's a whole other thing. Well, the, it dies to, it dies to you. Maybe the point is that you can't take any of it with you. Right, like you, you can still effectuate. You can still, uh, you know, have your will represented after you're gone. But that was also in some, you know, if you, had, if me and you were homies back in the day, and I died, and I'd be like, look, make sure my cows go only to these families or only to these markets. Like I could still effectuate my will in that way. But I think the broader point is that what is most eternal? It's not what you accumulate. It's not even your body. You're just stardust that coalesce for a period of time. But somehow that stardust that coalesces is able to be a, a vessel for the transmutation of certain forces, back to what we were talking about earlier. And if such forces of, you know, let's say love or the idea of truth or humility or freedom, if these exist and we can embody them and we can express them out into the world and others can, as a result, share in them and be, be impacted by them, then even when we're gone, that ripple, that change, that, that signal that is able to transmute, transmit through us into others, well, that remains in some capacity. Uh, whereas everything else that, you know, that we are would, would be gone. Do you think that perhaps that's one viable interpretation of, of that poem poem 
Yeah. And the, the real root of it that I took out of it, and I think maybe even still do is kind of this focus on, on having a legacy, having something that they can live on in that way. And, and so what I, uh, what I took as a practical out of that is, is just some simple stuff, like having, having a goal that I can build on and, and move towards. And it, well, it turned out that 12 plus years or so of, of what seemed to be random things in my life, random interests turned into, well, now I move halfway across the world and somehow it just works. It's, I, I, I think I'm in the place I'm supposed to be mm. here, funnily enough, but it's also kind of looking at that and building on that. And I'm much more open to having kids and, and I, I want to do things that are impactful and it's not only from this, but it's more like just contemplating this type of idea. Yeah. That it, sorry, go ahead. No, that it just, that, that leads to the, the building of these principles, because I think, I think from, from everything that I did, that I was trying to find, explore, whatever the tradition was, I think the, the goal I was really looking for was how do I do any of this? How do I, how do I live in this world with any meaning? That's mm -hmm. what I was really looking for. Mm -hmm. And so it, it stopped being that I need to have some kind of psychological, psychedelic connection to something and into what's the meaning that I've got out of this. And now I don't really think about religion in the same view anymore. I don't think about it as, well, what's going to happen when I die? Because that was also the the strain of Christianity I, I grew up with was was very much like you're you're gonna go to hell if you die if you don't do all the right things and it's right. very scary and not I don't think as productive necessarily as as explaining the lessons and why it might be a good idea to to follow some of these a little coercive maybe yeah I would agree with that so so what I found was that when the same ideas were in the same places, different ways, because you, you can, you can find tons of examples of, uh, of the same idea, like that what carries on is, is your legacy, something like that. Mm. And maybe this is something you can aim for to make some good things happen. And maybe that's the other point too, is I just start aiming and some cool things happen. I've, I've gotten to do some awesome stuff since I've been here. Uh, but it's not just about that. It's that, that I think opportunities have come up and I've taken them and uh, I'm providing for my family. I think I'm providing for my future. And maybe through all of that, I can do some good things for the people I care about, society, mm. all of that. But it starts with me being aligned to a positive goal or even just a positive direction. And that's what I took out of that or even passage. or even yeah. the greatest conception of quote unquote the good that you can muster like maybe just aligning with that is what makes all the magic happen and i think more and more of us are starting to realize that and i think you know by a, a kind of proxy or i think bitcoin is a representative of the good in certain ways and so even if you don't have this sophisticated you know um understanding of all these principles and values and mythological and religious 
stories and systems. And I think this is actually kind of the point of, of religious heroes and religious stories also is that even if you don't, if you, even if you don't get the Petersonian perspective in them, if they're approached in the right way, like if you look at something like Bitcoin and you see the tremendous value in it and you see the principles and values that are represented in it, maybe just using that as a partial means of orient orienting your behavior and your life and your ambitions will manifest the good and that will unlock things in a far more effortless way than you had previously experienced. You know, and I think whether it's this poem, uh, this Od Odin poem or religious narrative, mythological story more broadly, I think at least part of their function, you know, because we said, well, maybe it's trying to say like, you know, you you extracted that it's about legacy and it's, you know, what's what's really important. And I think you could you could distill that into saying it's trying to impress upon the reader what is of greatest value, what is of greatest meaning, what should you be striving for? And then in all the things you encounter, you kind of assess them for how much of a concentration of those things are in them. So you say like, you know, again, to use a, a tired, overused uh, kind of pejorative of modern, a critique of modern culture, like the Lambos and the gold chains and and the, the huge mansion and the yachts, it's like, I'm not seeing those values represented in that pursuit that much. But as you just said, you know, building a a strong, healthy, independent, sovereign family and engaging with other people whom I respect and share values with and, and trying to build things that we think are beneficial to the world and that fill us with a sense of meaning or, or fulfillment and, and that kind of stuff. Well, oh yeah, that, that kind of value framework is more represented in those things. And so I'm going to, I'm going to orient myself towards those things. And it seems to like, maybe one of the the hallmarks of like a grander metaphysical truth is that the more you align with it the more effortless action kind of becomes you're not swimming upstream as much you're not fighting against the friction of what is and what you want to be you're well you're aligning with it right and so you it it uh it it, it causes something that's fundamental within you and some something that's fundamental within it to have a kind of magnetism, to have a kind of a, you know, mutual attraction. And that seems to not only make things easier, but as a result of that, deliver an experience of yourself, of consciousness, of life that is filled with the things that we would probably all agree are part of the points of life, which is joy and love and peace and connection and fulfillment, you know? That's what the, that those those emotions are. What that approach seemed to deliver, and so maybe you know. So maybe all these stories are are trying to uh, communicate means of developing a filter like that that allows you to more ably orient yourself. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I hadn't quite thought of this before. And I'm glad you you said it like this that. Yeah, what I had been looking at about this one, this is this one line out of this whole big thing, but it's this important one and and that it might be aligning with this align yourself to the highest good you can conceive of. I, I had no concept of that before I heard Dr. Peterson say it. And mm. and that made Christianity make sense to me too. 
it made all of it make sense to me in a, in a sense of, first of all, I can appreciate it much more, much more because it's not just some hierarchical top-down structure imposing its will on people, maybe in some, in some versions of Christianity or religion in general, that's what it turns into, but it's not what the message is. And that's what became important. And so, yeah, just, just in that alignment, as you say, where it, everything just becomes easier. It's, it's really something that I, I think I've, I found when it's like you said, the Lambos and all this, where it's not, I consume so much less now than I did in Canada. I don't have a car anymore. I I don't, um, well, (laughs) I don't live in a, a big house. I live in an apartment, but it's, it's so much better from the point of view of, I have so much less to deal with. I have so many fewer things, uh, to, to manage and, and I don't use more than I need to. And I used to, that's not conscious. And I'm also by no means, uh, environmentalist in the sense of that, that I, I think that, well, I think energy is, is vastly important right now and that we need to do what's necessary to keep the standard of living in the world. And I believe that, but I also believe that, that consuming less, if you don't need to consume as much as you do, I think that's also good because it means what you have left is what's meaningful and that you can put some savings away and maybe build something bigger and better in a few years, something like that. That's Mm. what that all aligned with. And then the, the Bitcoin bit is like, because I, I went through trying to do investing. I did what I thought I was supposed to bought a house because how else am I going to save money? Now I rent, but, and, and partially out of necessity, I'm not, I'm not able to get a loan here yet, but another year or two and I will, but, uh, back then it was the only way to save the money that, that I thought it was anyway that I was putting towards rent was, you know, put it into a house or put it into the stock market index funds, whatever. But it, it still just seemed like it's a, it's a race you can't win and you take all this risk and it's all about the dollar value return and something about Bitcoin, just making that not matter anymore. Like Mm. you have this stable layer that you can just put anything you have that you want to save. Just put it there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty easy. And I think on on like a a non-esoteric, non-metaphysical, like just bare bones economic um explanation, you could just say, well, part of the reason for this is the opportunity cost. Do I want a fourth pair of shoes? Or do I want $100 worth of sats? Well, I want $100 worth of sats because I'm not a moron and I see the way things are going. And, you know, so there's that. But I I also think it it definitely runs deeper than that. And it, it ties into everything we've been discussing. And I think part of it is when you go on this 
journey of trying to understand deeper meaning, right? And and how to integrate it into to your life. That's often a transformative journey. You don't always get what you set out for, as as you've mentioned, but there's something of value to be derived there that you, if you persist long enough, you gain access to, and then you integrate it into your life. And back to your initial point, or the this, the point about sacrifice that you raised a couple of times, I think it's so right that anything, you know, if you don't want to buy a pair of sneakers, if you want to buy a new kettle, if you want to buy a Lambo, what you're doing when you decide to do that, you're saying, I'm going to sacrifice myself because I had to work. I had to give up my time and energy to get the means of procuring those things. So I'm going to sacrifice myself to those things. That's what's happening there. So I'm, I'm sacrificing myself to the Lambo. I'm sacrificing myself to the 10th pair of sneakers. And I think when you end up valuing yourself more as a result of going on this journey of trying to discover greater or deeper meaning and bringing that into your, to your life, then you're far less willing or likely to sacrifice yourself to things that you don't think are as commensurate value to what you're giving up, which is a, an aspect of yourself, right? Your time, your energy, your attention, what have you. So like, so it's, and, and this is, this is probably a, a, a relatively, well, I think this is a critique of our modern culture about how people feel about themselves, which is why they're so willing to sacrifice them, themselves for garbage because they have, you know, they, they don't have that means of generating an inborn sense of true, yeah, true fundamental value about themselves, which again, as we've been exploring, all these traditions are probably trying to instill or, or at least provide some clarity on in some way. But those of, uh, I don't want, maybe those of us who've been on that journey is the wrong way to put it. But I think if you engage in that journey honestly and with humility and with persistence and with courage, you get to a point where what you're doing is you're increasingly enabling yourself to perceive value more and more and more. And that is transformative in itself. And then, then you're able to transform yourself through your efforts and through your, you know, the way you think and the way you live to something that's of greater value. And then as you as you become what you deem to be a, a person, an individual of greater value, well, you're going to look for more in return for when you give yourself up, when you sacrifice yourself. So what I would say is like, I'm not willing to give of myself for a garbage Lambo, you know, a neon colored Lambo. I just, it, it, I'm, I don't feel like I'm getting a, a commensurate trade, but Am I willing to sacrifice myself for, you know, to help out a friend who I love or to build a family who I love and who, who can, you know, who I, I can contribute to, you know, the continue, continuation of the species and try to raise strong and healthy and, and, you know, wise children, or am I willing to give up my time to have conversations like this, to, to try to write down ideas because they help me clarify things and there's some benefit to people and there may be some benefit to people outside of myself. Well, the answer is, is more like yes to that. And whether or not you agree with that value framework, I think what it's emblematic or revealing of is the value framework, right? I'm, 
in those behaviors, you can tell how I value myself as a result of the things that I, I value. And what seems to be happening, or what, what seems to be perhaps a hallmark of truly quote unquote religious people, not just people that accept the fiat, you know, dogma, but who actually, you know, try do their best to genuinely understand it, as well as, and this is a far more easy one to point out, you know, Bitcoiners broadly speaking, is that that process seems to be unfolding in them such that many of them, at least the ones I speak to, and as I always say, I know I self-select for a certain type of person, but much like yourself, right? Like not spending a ton of money on the living conditions and on the, you know, the unnecessary expenses and the ego, the things that, you know, inflate your ego and all that kind of stuff. There's an attempt to channel what resources are available into the things that are most valuable, that are most conducive to helping to erect, helping to become the person that you, you are trying to become and construct a life that is maximally filled with value and meaning. And um, it's a pretty, pretty wild thing to be, you know, observing. Yeah, it, it is because the parallels, right, between religion, religious seeking, and what's going on in the Bitcoin world is sometimes, to me, it feels like, did, did I replace the yeah. religious seeking with, with the religion of Bitcoin? Just another idol, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really hope not, <laughs> and I'm aiming for not, because the... I th I think there there is something different in terms of the grounding, the act the actual implementation, the technological layer that that's that's real in a, in a different way mm -hmm. than the real of the the meaningful real. But there's also that too. Well, so in terms they're, of maybe they're joined together in a in a way that's somewhat unprecedented. Well, and I think that's the the point when I've been talking to, and I haven't been doing much of this. This is like, <laughs> I've, I've started to do a couple of things with, with consensus now, and we've, we've done uh, two shows and, and one has, one has come, I, I mean, just episodes and one has come out, but the, the second one that, that is coming out soon is just a good chat and um, with, with smart people and it's all the same idea that there's this unprecedented stuff. Something about Bitcoin is, is new in the world. The concept of scarcity, just the technological underpinning of it. I like the, the GG, um, the, the way it's structured in the, the 21 rules. Like you have the economic layer, you have the technological layer, but you also have the philosophical layer. And the way I think about it is that you have the technological layer as the implementation, the philosophical layer that intentionally or unintentionally comes out of that. And then the economics is maybe the way that the effect that, that people have the actions after it, especially if you're thinking Austrian style economics, like that's all human action. So the economic effect is the action of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So when I when I think about that, that this is something unique, it's not like this is the end of the journey, in my view. But when I came to Bitcoin, it was like this is this is something I've been 
looking for where you have kind of a concreteness to it that's different from the concreteness of the bible or the concreteness of of religious ceremony or or something like that or even of just narrative meaning so the combination of those things is is what really uh pulled me in so yeah um you mentioned it's this i mean it's a lot to have basically discovered this a year ago and and be in this perspective and i think you know maybe it's that's possible because there's so much content and stuff out there now versus three years ago that, you know, if you even have a kind of an itch about Bitcoin that you want to scratch, you like, there's just so much shit to, to consult. Um, but what was, you know, when did this type of aspect of this phenomenon drop for you? You know, like you, you became aware of Bitcoin, presumably interested in it, number go up, this kind of stuff. And when did you start, to see that perhaps there's more to it. And then off, and off the back is something that you just said, you know, you said, this is not the, uh, this is not the end all be all. And of course I agree, but I just, I'd love you to put some more meat on that bone if you have any. Yeah. Okay. So mm, maybe the more meat on the bone needs to happen first or else it'll sure, get lost. Sure. <laughs> the, what, what I think I mean by this is that now we have a starting point uh, okay, I'll, I'll even just go me. I think I have a starting point on understanding the world differently. And now I'm changing my behaviors, my actions. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna reference something specific here. So um, Knut, Knut Svonholm's book, um, Everything Divided by 21 Million, this whole thing. This is actually kind of the the root of the show that I'm doing with consensus. This, the name is freedom footprint, the freedom footprint show. Nice. And yeah, it's about this freedom dioxide idea that Bitcoin is freedom dioxide. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're concerned about your freedom footprint as opposed to your, your carbon footprint. But the, the idea distilling it a little bit is that all the actions that you do as a Bitcoiner are, have have an effect on the world a freedom footprint that grows and connects with everyone the the little things that you do are going to have a an outsized effect in the future when it starts to accumulate interest and uh, i don't mean economic interest but the yeah. you know the the interest of doing the same thing over and over and um and getting better at it and all that so so yeah, that that um, that show is with Knut and uh, and Nico as well from Consensus, and uh, we're having a good time with that. But I, I didn't I didn't mean to, you know, show anything. No, that's, I love it. That's an awesome idea, and it's a great meme. And giddy up, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the signal I'm trying to put into the into the world here now. And uh, yeah, I I'm I'm excited for it, and and I like it. So. But that's the idea is just kind of the starting point is that Bitcoin is changing my behavior and the results of not just me, but everyone who has encountered Bitcoin and changed their behavior. Mm -hmm. So I think the starting point is that the societal effects can't even imagine it. You have theorization over hyper-Bitcoinization what's that going to look like? How does that happen? But I think anything like that is just 
it's it's speculation because oh, what's totally. going to happen between now and then is who knows and and i'm just happy to be here because there's some real meaning to a change in the world system that can have the positive economic effects the positive personal effects the increase in freedom the reduction in unnecessary government coercion and power all that i mean i can all of the things the this <laughs> books have been written bitcoin fixes this right yeah so that's the meat on that bone well yeah and thank you and and i mean of course this is part of the reason why not and i don't even think it's the it's the greatest reason why we we see these this attempt to uh look for analogies between you know the religious domain and and bitcoin i don't think that's the the primary reason but certainly you know when you bump up against something that seems to be you know seems to have the capacity to rectify so many things at the best possible level you have to stand back and be like how is such a thing possible or real and again like we said before you don't want to get carried away by that you want to make sure that it is real to the extent that you can because as you said a lot of this is going to take some time to really play out and see if it it it's legit but it's seeming you know early uh indications are when we look at the effects on individual behavior when we look at the uh, effects on, you know, how it allows people to have greater financial freedom and sovereignty and what that means for the life they're able to construct and what that means for the, uh, well, we haven't seen this yet, but hopefully the, the, the diminution of the role of, as you said, the course of state in people's lives and all these things. I mean, fuck, what do you, what do you call a thing that is just by virtue of its qualities has, is, it has the capacity to most optimally resolve so many things you know it's 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 hard not to relate it to other things that supposedly are all resolving you know all rectifying and the only domain that we have for such ideas in the human cultural sphere is 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 the religious ideas you know so perhaps you know i think for that reason it's it's uh not a surprise well Um, this is this is actually just to carry this point one step I, I think it's important that we harness the energy of the religious side of it, not out of creating some cult of Bitcoin or something like that, but in understanding that people are searching for this meaning. And not everyone is going to be thinking about this stuff the same way I do, the same way you do, any of the the Bitcoin philosopher <laughs> segment. Mm-hmm. right not not everyone is into that but but everyone is searching for meaning i think that is absolutely true 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 deep true i don't know totally I think Dr. Peterson 100 percent. and so and so i think the the idea here is that if if there's a way to show people that there's meaning here it doesn't have to be the meaning everyone, everyone is different. And this is so good. It's so good that everyone is their own individual and that Bitcoin encourages this as well, the the sovereignty of the individual. But I think there is somewhere, something here for, for everyone just show that there is, there is the meaning you show that and communicate that the right way and bring people in. 
it's not it's not necessarily about orange pilling exactly it's it's like is there something here from the religious side of it that that actually would give people meaning in a positive way again i i'm careful not to think about it as like conversion or proselytization or whatever it is with orange pilling being basically the proselytization analogy it's important it's 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 the same idea of you you find something that is worth sharing and and you think is going to better someone so you try to orange pill them and all this i think that's that's noble and valuable and and i'm i'm working on a couple of people for that to <laughs> care about them but i i think this is a different thing where it's maybe maybe this can actually improve people's lives by taking out the meaninglessness of the fiat world and giving some purpose and meaning. That's what I hope. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it, it might be the case that the greatest display of conviction in the truth, or even the greatest display of, of faith in that truth, is to be at peace with how it permeates th through other people. You know, if you and and this has been, you know, one of the knocks on on proselytizing religious people for years. You know, it's like, well, if it's so good, if it's so true, why you got to be all up in my grill about it? You know, like you say, you know, you might say, well, it's because I'm doing it for your best interests, and you know, I'm sure there's some truth to that. But you know, I, I it makes me think of a Terrence McKenna rant one time, and I like I won't be able to repeat it word for word, but it was something to the effect that like. If it's true, you don't have to rep it that hard. You can just let it be. And people, people that have any degree of seeking within them, and if they persist on that, they'll come to the truth eventually. Uh, and I think I I do think that's true. And if and if the thing that you think is true uh is so great, then I think it should almost it should instill eventually a sense of peace that. People will come to it in their own time. You know, we have the trope, the, the everyone get, gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve to, you know, bring it down to more kind of a playful cultural way of saying it. But I, I think that's true, which is why, you know, in my own life, I have no real interest at orange pilling whatsoever. I, the, the thing that I'm most interested in doing is just getting getting greater clarity on all this for myself. And then in some ways and capacities, expressing what I've found, whether it's through this medium or through writing or whatever. And if, you know, people can take it for what it's worth, but to your point about, you know, not everyone has the same meaning. I think that's true. And I think that aligns with the whole, you know, subjective theory of value, basically. However, I do think these systems of mythology and belief and religion that we've been discussing, one of the, the themes that I I think most people could probably tease out is that freedom or liberation might be universally valuable. Now that's not to say, I mean, there's a lot of Stockholm syndrome going on in the world today in my estimation, right? So it doesn't mean people are always, you know, and this, this is where we get mired in subjectivity and stuff, but people aren't always appreciating that. But I, I just think there's something within everyone that recognize that recognizes the value of, of freedom, of, of sovereignty, of liberation, of self-determination. Because if you don't have that, 
to our earlier point, do you even exist? If you're just an automata for somebody else's will, for somebody else's opinion, if you can't make decisions for yourself, who and what are you? And I think we all have this yearning to, to be, right? And to be is to be free. And to the extent that this thing, this technology that, quote unquote technology that we're um, discussing in Bitcoin is making a degree of freedom available to people that's never been available before in the intersubjective or in the social world, let's say, uh, must be, you know, one, a huge part of its attractiveness, of course, but I, I, I got to think that ultimately appeals to everyone, even those that may not appreciate it yet and may never appreciate it. It's like, well, it's, it's the same with, you know, the, the religious truths that we've been discussing. A lot of people will go through life and they won't pull them. And I'm, I'm being fairly critical here, but they won't pull themselves out of the despair or the nihilism or the depression or the meaninglessness. And those are really hard things to overcome. I mean, I'm sure we all uh, confront them at a certain point in, in our lives and you have to continue you know, reestablishing why those are not the most valid or rational perspectives to have for your life. It's not, you know, I, I don't think you ever kind of transcend them fully and forever. It has to continually being re recapitulated, but there are some people that never get out of that. But I, I don't know if that's, that's indicative of freedom being a subjective value more so than it is people not being able to uh, acquire or retain control over themselves, over their own mind. You know, um, I know that's a bit, there's kind of, some, there's some contradictions in there that I haven't properly reconciled, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, you're, you're hitting on another strain and really an uncomfortable one, honestly, that <laughs> where it's, how, how do you save people who don't want to be saved? And I, and I, and I say that intentionally from the, the, that's the religious version. And yeah, I know I, I always kept going back to religion in some form or some form of meaning seeking because meaninglessness was painful mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and the absence of meaning is not in, in my experience has not been a good thing. Taking that meaning out. I, I thought it's like, Fuck. yeah, stick it to the patriarchy and i mean that technically the 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 representation of the power structure yeah let's let's stick it to that and go in the opposite direction for a bit and just to come out no further ahead on life or meaning and keep coming back to that but not everyone's making that choice and not everyone is well but tons of people are are willfully, ignorantly, blindly going ahead with it. The willful blindness lesson from Dr. Peterson was also a sobering one in the sense that, that the willful blindness of society might lead towards its destruction and downfall. Mm. I see the parallels to, to society here and some darker stories, narratives, whatever that, that explore this can get really intense. Like the, 
the suffocation of of well when when you don't quite have have mm, when you can't accept the burden of responsibility yeah that's i think that's what i'm getting at mm. the, there's a darkness there because oh, absolutely put, putting the putting the load on your back putting putting weight on the on the bar and putting that on your back and carrying it or doing a squat or whatever it is it's like the doing a squat is like the most religious exercise for me because <laughs> it's like i'm literally putting weight on my back and and trying to to bear it overcome and, it yeah yeah so i i think where where that lands is is that we can't force people to to take up responsibility and i don't know what the answer is there how how it becomes that we could that we could maybe bring everyone into this i i, I don't say that to be idealistic but i think i think if this is the con the conception of right or the highest good that that everyone eventually will hopefully find this it's not that i'm not optimistic but maybe maybe it doesn't happen perfectly and maybe some people will be left behind and and that's tough to think about and one that i've not reconciled either yeah well i'm sure the world is not going to unfold unfold according to our notions of how it should you know so our utopian visions, whatever they may be, or even our best case scenarios are, you know, the world is going to serve up surprises in various ways and disappointments. And that's just the way it is. But I think, um, I just can't, I mean, I, I don't think there's any other answer than that the, the best way to promote something is to be a representative of whatever belief it is you're promoting or whatever product or service, you know, and this, uh, this applies if you're a cheesy infomercial person or an influencer on Instagram, or if you're trying to ascend that hierarchy of meaning, hierarchy of meaning and be a representative of someone who's integrated a certain belief or perspective or truth maximally into their life. And if you do that, well, I, I think that's the only thing you can do. And you, two things happen by virtue of that. One if it works out, like if you're actually right, it's going to manifest a life that is the envy of every other person. And they will not need you to say anything persuasive to them. They will do all the persuading themselves to themselves because they'll look at that and say, why does that person have so much meaning in their, in their life? Why are they so happy? Why are they so fulfilled? Why are they so at peace? And and they'll want to, their mind will try to figure that out for them. And you get the double benefit of you also get to prove to yourself if it's true. You know, maybe it's maybe it's not true. And maybe some other perspective, some other tool, some other belief is what you need to subordinate yourself to or integrate to manifest the, the most meaningful life possible. And that's, kind, you know, that's kind of the journey. That's the ongoing journey of e either refining the degree to which you understand that thing that you're acting in primary relation to, let's say, or if need be, replace it because you found that it's it's not actually working. And, and I, we would probably both say like, whatever it is that those, you know, the stereotypical, super nihilistic, despairing, you know, modern individual, whatever it is they're holding on to, clearly it's not working. 
you know, whether it's, you know, the primacy of the state or some notion of virtue or compassion or blah, 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 whatever. If that's, if it's eliciting that sort of response, it probably ain't good and true. So you need to try to swap that out for something else and see how it works. And, you know, back to the, 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 the notion of freedom being objectively absolutely valuable I think it, you know when you reference these people that are, you know, kind of stuck in that despair. It could very well be the case that part of the reason for that is because of, of a belief, conscious or not, that everything is subjective, and therefore, what's the point? Like, if if it's all just subjective, then it all just you know, it, if there's no truth, then how am I to rationally orient myself to one? Whereas I think both the religious and whatever it is we've been discussing here in, re in relation to Bitcoin, that presumption is saying, well, let's say the, the value of freedom presumption is saying, no, there, maybe there is an absolute, something that's absolutely or objectively valuable insofar as that if you align and integrate with it, it delivers what is most valuable. And and it delivers the you know the best experience of life that you're capable of having, let's say, or at least it's a part of that. It's one of those values, perhaps. And you know that's almost a leap of faith. You know, again, why does this language emerge in religions? It's like, or or even like you know, accept me as your Lord and Savior. This this sort of narrative language, if you if you peel it back, what's it what's it saying? And I, I think it may be the case that what it's saying is. There is a value, an, an absolute and objective value that aligning with or integrating into yourself conveys a legitimate advantage is the wrong word, but like it, it, it brings you out of, of despair. It brings you out of the, the purgatory of endless subject, subjectivity and allows you to bring something that's fundamental of this experience that we're having something good about it into being through you. And that requires your choice to make. It requires you to make that commitment, that leap of faith, whatever, however, whatever narrative language we want to put around that. And um, I think for a lot of those people that are in that more despairing situation, perhaps that's one of the hangups that they haven't reconciled yet. It, you know, if any of this is true, of course we, I might be totally off base here, but, uh, and maybe that's why in this modern secular era, you know, to, to use a common phrase, you know, that God-shaped hole in everyone's heart, perhaps removing, you know, what was previously there and not having something true to put in its place, something truer, let's say, but putting something false in its place is what's generating all of these, you know, bad experiences of existence or consciousness. Let's say, and what you need, what you need to do is not say nothing should should be there, and just throw everything out. But you have to recognize that that's just a part of our makeup. That something is going to be there, and what we decide to put there is perhaps the prime determinant of what we experience, and. Lots of people before us encountered that too, because we've all been humans and we've all been, you know, anatomically modern humans for a few hundred thousand years. So we've all confronted this and people have determined that there's a, you know, a, 
a set of ideas over here that are really good at, at putting in that place. And there's a set of ideas over here that lead to really bad outcomes if you if you put them in that place. And you know, I think this is the part uh, of the journey where humility comes in, where as a modern secular person, we don't just say we're smarter than everyone that came before us and I can decide for myself, like I can recapitulate everything as a relatively uninformed modern human just by virtue of being in this culture, not doing that and saying, it's a very consequential decision and choice that's being made here. And it's an unavoidable one. So how the fuck am I to make it as well as I can? And I'm going to, I'm going to go back with humility and read and listen to and attempt to understand the people that came before me so that I can have the best chance of doing that optimally or properly in my life. And I think that's probably a, Reason, reasonable perspective to have on on that pursuit. I think so. And understanding this idea was another piece to this whole picture. The, the aim for the highest good and also tying that into the idea of that sin originally, meaning just missing the mark, that if you miss the mark, well, you're not doing the best and it can be that really simply and if there is an objective good or the best thing you can conceive of whatever if that's actually real well sure trying to aim for that and course correct that's that's real i think and and so now it's not anymore about this trying to stay away from the the stick of hell but but it, at the same time it's kind of like well if you didn't do the best you possibly could isn't that hell in a metaphorical sense and so that idea i think was was really strong for me there and i think to to kind of pull this back into what what bitcoin did in my understanding of of this is it's just crazy how it's it's like it boils all of this down into one concept and it's like you can take all of the baggage and just put it into one thing one place and the more i the more i say it out loud the more i think this is this is the same idea as well as as uh grace and the the sins all being put on to to christ at the death there where it's it's all kind of burning away it doesn't mean that that those things aren't important, but it does mean you can you can just put everything into the one thing here, and then that redeems you, and then your life is is free to redemption carry on. Is, redemption is possible. Like, yeah, and it's in a real way now here. Yeah, that's the message I take from that. You got anything else? <laughs> well, I could, uh, I could, uh, <laughs> I think I could keep going for <laughs> onto something new here, but I, I, I feel like maybe that was the a good end of the arc we've been having this whole time anyway. Sure. Sure. Spoken like a pro. Well, we'll shut it down there then. And, uh, you know, you can hit me up again in the future once 
you've had a sufficient buildup of, of stuff you want to explore and we can fire up a, a part two. And I'd love to do that. And, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more, um, meeting more people. I'm, I'm going to my first in-person conference here in a couple of days, the, the one in Riga. Nice. So I'm, I'm excited about that and I'm going to just be trying to build something. I've seen the, you know, the meme of like, yeah, you build in the bear market or, or something like that. And mm-hmm. and then I've seen similar ones. Well, you, you're not really building if all you got is just a podcast or something like that. But, <laughs> I, <laughs> but, but I, I think I, I want to try to do something. And this is, this is something that I had some experience with in the past. And, and uh, I hope that I can help build something with some signal not noise and talk about these ideas. So for now you'll, you'll, you'll find me at, uh, um, freedom footprint consensus network. And, uh, I'm at BTC pseudo fin and that's a whole story we didn't even get into here. So barely well, touched the whole thing a bit after the beginning there. So <laughs> yeah. I'd, lo- yeah, I'd well, love to love to chat again. So we'll, thanks. We'll for- save it for the next one. And, um, yeah, I, I love all that. I can't wait to see, uh, more of your output and um yeah if there's any ever anything i can do to help get it out there just let me know and i'd be happy to so um we'll talk again in the future have a great time in riga and um be well i appreciate the conversation you too take care this was awesome really see you brother see you